So hello and welcome to Retroscripts Fireside Stories Human Libraries. Uh, as you all know from weeks previous, my goal today is to reconnect, slow down, and travel back to a time when humans sat around campfires sharing their best exciting, scary, life-altering tales and creating verbal stories that were passed on through legacies. Today, my guest is the wonderful and beautiful Jennifer Wallace. Jennifer enjoys chai lattes, and her favorite quote is, you make a living by what you get, you make a life by what you give, which is by Sir Winston Churchill. I want to give just a quick update of who Jen is, and then we'll dive into her story and find out a little bit more about herself. So Jen was born and raised in Niagara. She's committed to her community and enjoys volunteering for causes and organizations that she's passionate about, including supporting the arts and women's organizations. She's been a life, uh, she's been a self-employed for some time now, first working with her family's business from the age of 20 and then pushing out on her own uh, just over a decade later and creating a business and brand that has, was more reflective of her own professional values and personality. Today, she continues to work and help others in their lives and reach their goals. And I have been a person who she's worked with and changed my life completely. So I'm very excited to have her here today to share her story. Jen, why don't you tell a little bit more about yourself? Well, firstly, Kim, thanks for having me. It's awesome to be on here chatting with you. Um, so a little bit about myself. I don't know. Um, I have a wonderful life. I, you know, I live by the motto of, you know, designing the life that you want. And I feel like I've, I've done a good job so far of, of doing that, um, pandemic aside and all. Um, so um, I'm really happy in just what I what I do, how I service uh, my community, my clients, um, and my family. I don't have children of my own, but I have nieces and nephew that I adore, and my best friend is my sister. So a uh, really close family there, and uh, and I just really um, am grateful for uh, for them and for the friends that I have in my life, and again for for my clients who I consider pretty much all my friends. Um, so I have like a really big group of friends. It sounds like, but <laughs> but um, but yeah, I just um, I guess that's kind of you know I'm just on this this wonderful journey trying to help uh, empower people to understand their own finances, their lives, get to where they want to be, and their success is my success. So um, I really just love being able to see uh, them get what they want. I love that beats your soul and your bank account, then that's amazing, right? Right. I love it. <laughs> so what you're talking to us today about is your community and how you're involved in the community, correct? Yes. Amazing. That is absolutely correct. Love it. Let's hear your story. Oh, okay. So, um, so as you said, one of my um, favorite quotes is from Winston Churchill. And I've kind of lived by giving back my whole life ever since I was a kid when I was in elementary school, even um, grade seven and eight, and I was always involved outside of the classroom in different school activities that volunteerism led all the way through to adulthood and uh, I kind of entered the, the world of um, not for profits in Niagara. Um, just because it was something that interested me. I wanted to have something beyond work um, to be doing with my life. And it was a way for me to 
um, just expand my network when I was starting in my business as well and just meet new people and learn new things and, and get connected to others. But really, ultimately, it's just to feed my soul, as you said, right? It's just, you know, that give back. It's being able to to champion causes that I'm passionate about um, and not just be involved with a not-for-profit, just to be involved with a not-for-profit and have something on my resume, but really to, to be with organizations that that I love and that ha have aligned values to my own. And so that kind of started me. Firstly, um, I was uh, involved uh, younger in my younger days in um, cooperatives and co-op housing and, and credit unions and leadership and stuff like that. Um, they had some great programs that I was uh, grateful to be involved in. Um, and then as an adult, I kind of got involved in the arts because I was working in downtown St. Catharines um, and we were uh, kind of on the precipice of this burgeoning um, arts and culture scene at the time. Um, we were talking at, the, at that time of, of creating a venue in downtown St. Catharines, which now has culminated to become the first Ontario Performing Arts Centre, um, the first of its kind in Canada of four venues in one building. And so being involved from, from the early, early stages of that was super exciting. Um, and then, you know, in, in performing arts, I love performing arts. I am in no way a performer, an artist or anything. I just appreciate what others are able to create. Um, and so I got involved um, bringing my financial and business background to not-for-profit arts companies um, and arts organizations such as the now defunct St. Catharines and Area Arts Council. Uh, unfortunately, they um, did not survive uh, through different funding and, and whatnot. Uh, but I am, I've just always loved the arts. And so I currently actually sit on the Foster Festivals board um, as their treasurer. Um, so that's something that just came to me new this year. Um, and then uh, quite a few years ago now, I kind of was like, the arts are great, but you know, I'd like to get involved in something else. And so uh, I had an opportunity to be involved in another uh, cause that I'm passionate about, which is Jillian's Place. Mm -hmm. So for those outside of Niagara, Jillian's Place is um, uh, a women's shelter, emergency shelter that um, serves West and North Niagara. And uh, so that was a great opportunity, as I said, to be involved with them on their board, and I still am. I'm currently the president of their board, um, and I have been for about five years. Uh, there's so much. Pardon? I said, I'm always finding out new things about you, and I'm like, oh my god, really? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Who knew? Um, but yeah, it's super exciting to be involved with with organizations. And and even though like my volunteerism um, is at the board level because of the leadership and and the experience that I can bring to a board, um, I try to encourage everybody to get involved in an organization or multiple organizations that are um, causes that they're passionate about. 
at any level. So it could be that you're volunteering one hour a week um, to go and, and do something or to help uh, at an event that's a fundraiser or something like that. Um, it doesn't need to be at the dedication that I, I'm at because I spend a, a lot of hours, but I have the time as well to be able to, to do that. So that's where I like to, to dedicate um, where some my some of my free time goes. But um, yeah, people don't need to always be on, on boards. I know sometimes people are like, oh my goodness, how can you be on so many boards and committees and, and all of that? And, um, and actually I'm right now, I'm kind of almost at a, at a low point in terms of the numbers of boards and committees that I sit on. Um, <laughs> but there was one time when I was on three different boards and I think it was like eight committees, um, at the time. So, um, right now I'm just, I'm, I'm two, two boards, eight eight committees and does that push you like do you feel fueled when you go to those meetings kind of thing because I know a lot of people would look at that and be like oh my god like how do you keep going and how do you give so much well it sounds daunting but I should say I you know like people shouldn't be impressed with me or anything like that because most of those committees only meet like every three months or so so it's not like every month I've got 10 meetings to attend or anything like that um, but it, it, because it's stuff I'm passionate about, then it does fuel me and it does give me energy and I am helping and I'm seeing progression of things within the organization and, you know, I'm fighting for the cause that I'm passionate about. So, so it, it does give me a different kind of energy, um, than, you know, if I were just doing something to do something and I didn't actually care about it. So, um, so yeah, like I, I do it because I love it. If I didn't love it, I wouldn't do it. So <laughs> I'm still super impressed. And, you know, you said people shouldn't be impressed with you, but that's great. And I feel like there needs to be kind of more people who open their minds to boards or committees because they hold the, like you said, they hold the values that we are all connected to. And you see the people on Facebook or on social media ranting about things and like stop ranting on these social media sites, go out and actually do something and make a change that kind of mirrors what you believe. Right. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing, right? Like if you're not, I always kind of have the philosophy that if you're not willing to take action to make change, then don't just rant about it. Like, don't go on social media and just complain if you're not going to take action towards something, you know, and, and boards right now, like there's throughout, I think Canada and, and North America, there's a push for diversity and inclusion, especially at the board level and not-for-profit level. And unfortunately, like, especially in Niagara, because Niagara has it has a, an interesting I guess demographic um in that like most of the boards are a whole bunch of white people yeah you might have some um different ages but a lot of them are older white people because they've got the time they don't have young children at home to try and juggle you know having a volunteer um, activity as well as their family and all that. But we really need more voices and more reflection of our entire community at the boards of especially social service organizations, especially um, arts organizations where your art that you're gonna put out there to be reflective of your community. I love that you said that, love it. Cause I've heard people kind of complain about the, how do I say it? 
the one tone of color that is on all the boards or what they're seeing. And I think the only answer is exactly what you said. Then if you don't like it, you got to go and make a change and put it out there yourself. If you're not seeing a lot of black culture or black um, representation, then you need to be that person to bring it forth because we can't expect somebody that comes from a predominantly white culture or white um, family or whatever to know what you have on your side, right? So the biodiversity has comes from the community first. I truly believe exactly. And I know every board that I've sat on, and I've also sat on city of St. Catharines, like city committees that, you know, report to council. And we struggle for like, for as long as I've been volunteering 20 years to bring diverse voices to those tables, because we put out calls for applications, come join our board, come join our committee. And we get a whole bunch of white people applying. And then people complain, how come your board isn't reflective of your community? And all we can say is, you know, we put it out there to everywhere that we can think of mm -hmm. um, saying we're looking for board members, but we're, we can only choose from the people that apply. It's we true. can't go and randomly select some person and say like, oh, you didn't really want to be on our board, but we're going to put you on our board just because you, you represent diversity. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can't do that. So, you know, it's, that's the struggle is we need to be encouraging people that have diverse experience and diverse backgrounds to be putting themselves out there in a volunteer capacity on boards and committees. And I think that's something that like not only Niagara, but a lot of communities are struggling with. I agree. Um, is it easier now? I mean, with COVID-19 and everything, everything's done via Zoom like this. Uh, <laughs> is that how your committees are meeting? So people maybe that usually wouldn't have been able to leave the house or whatever can join? Yes. Yeah. But but then there will be a time when we're not meeting by Zoom anymore. <laughs> I right? So, you know, like that's, and, you know, and with COVID, um, a lot of organizations have kind of halted recruitment for boards this past year I know we did a Jillian's place just because it felt like a really weird time to be bringing brand new people into that leadership role be like surprise this is you know we're, we're in COVID come join our board um and just you know to be able to kind of put that on hold until next September which hopefully you know our next recruitment phase will be not in COVID anymore um but right <laughs> but you know I know for myself the next nine, 10 months, um, I will be actively looking for more diverse voices um, for our board. Cause you know, I'm, I am a, a white woman of somewhat of privileged background. I've had challenges in my life for sure. Um, a lot of them, but I can only bring the experience that I have. And so even though I can empathize with many other people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different experiences, I haven't lived in their shoes. So I can only speak on behalf of white women at the age of 40 who, you know, have a professional career and are self-independent. Um, so, you know, that's where when we have conversations around uh, certain tables, especially in social service organizations, you know, we're, we're having to look and say, like, as an organization, how are we... Um, looking at diversity of the clients we serve and how are we stepping up to be able to recognize what those clients needs are based on their culture. Um, you know, for example, even just the food when, when we have women in shelter, 
they come from all different backgrounds and how are we when we're supplying them with meals are we being considered of what they're usually going to be eating or are we just saying here's what we decided to prepare for you some good old craft dinner so like as canadian as you can get maybe um you know where like how is that reflective of their culture so i know jillian's place we put a lot of investment and work into that um so from the service side we are i think very um very forward thinking uh, when it comes to diversity and inclusion. We have a committee of staff members on diversity and inclusion and, and all of that, but the board is still pretty white, like not all white, but pretty white. And um, so, you know, there's, it's, it's a challenge, right? It really is, especially when you have organizations that are not only looking for diversity at the table, but a certain, certain skill sets. Definitely. So that's something I would, I don't know that I would have even thought of as being one of the bigger issues because I'm to an extent privileged myself. I can go make myself food in the kitchen and it's what I'm used to eating based on my culture. But thinking about someone that isn't as privileged and is in Jillian's place, that meal that you're preparing that you've actually put a lot of thought and effort into to include what they want and their needs, that could be huge, right? And life changing. That's magical. Honestly, it is. Um, I wanted to add too. So when I lived um, in Burlington in the Milton GTA area, I actually was a child that went to the Halton Women's Place and used their services. So I understand the benefits and just how, for me, coming from such a young age and using their services, um, it changed my life. And I'm a hundred percent convinced and. I believe that if I hadn't gone there, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I wouldn't have had the stepping stones and just the support. So what you're doing means a lot to me and I'm not gonna get emotional because it's <laughs> but like, I always look at people like you and I know you're my friend. So I always tell you how amazing you are, but it actually does mean something to a lot of people, how much you give. And if you don't do it, then who's going to, right? So I hope people continue watching you and get inspired to step up and make a change as well. Yes. And, and then see everything you just said about me as a volunteer board member, I look at the team at Jillian's place that are literally on the front lines every single day. And I couldn't do it to be honest. Like that's, I am a finance person. That's, that's my happy place. I could not, you know, the challenges that they encounter every day, and the stories that they hear and a lot of the, like there's a lot of good that happens and so that's certainly rewarding but the challenges and and you know hearing stories uh, from women who you know had come to Jillian's place and then gone back to their abuser which happens a lot yeah uh, in Niagara we had two women this year um, who have been killed by their intimate partners so the everything escalates Yes, especially in a pandemic. So, you know, the team is is there. They're dealing with COVID. Plus, they're dealing with, you know, I just got a statistic today saying that our our call and text line um, for crisis support, um, which is anonymous, but it's um, it had like a nine hundred percent increase this year over last year because people aren't able to leave and come to shelter. So those numbers are down. But our counselors are on the phone and texting back like way more than they ever have before. So 
the team is really like I'm just there as a volunteer board member <laughs> it's our our team and our leadership there is amazing so yeah it's amazing so to help your team and the leadership for anyone listening who maybe obviously can't go on the board because the board's not accepting right now what is what does the shelter need what are they looking for uh, well, I mean, like every other organization right now, um, fundraising's become a, a totally different thing. We're very fortunate at Jillian's Place that we've had some companies really step up this year and, and given some considerable gifts, tens of thousands of dollars and stuff like that, because we've had additional expenses with COVID and we've had things that have, have changed and, and um, just, you know, as with everybody, you know, PPE expenses, cleaning, all of that on top of just everything changing and, and staff shortages because somebody's off sick and things like that. So um, really, I mean, we've got some excellent holiday programs that I would encourage people to look at. We've change the way we usually do things because of COVID. So it's literally easier, <laughs> I think, because you can go online and instead of adopting a family and going out and having to do all that shopping and putting yourself potentially at risk, we say, if you want to adopt a family, here's the budget. You just donate that mm-hmm. online Easy. and we'll do the shopping, right? So it's, it's amazing in that respect that like it's, they've made it even easier for people to be supporting. Um, and I would encourage like if it's not Jillian's place, then certainly there are so many other organizations. I myself also financially support every year Christmas time community care mm-hmm. because I know that like they're always, always bombarded at Christmas time all year long, but especially at Christmas time. So um, especially with the pandemic, more and more people are strapped for, for cash. And so they're going and relying on services like that, um, who aren't necessarily applicable as a client of Jillian's place. So I would encourage people to just give if they can, what they can, um, this holiday season, especially, um, and if you can't financially, then look on those organizations' websites, because there's a lot of other ways that are listed to get involved. It might look a little different because of COVID right now. Um, I know non-essential visitors are not allowed at Jillian's place right now just to keep everybody safe. Uh, But every organization is different. So I would just encourage people to do something, make themselves feel good, especially if Christmas looks a little bit different for them this year. So feed your soul. It makes you feel better. It does. Definitely. That's amazing. Um, my last question, and I, I don't know if I asked you this before, is what got you into the giving, I don't know, part of your personality? I think as kids, we don't necessarily always think to give back and to go and help somebody else, but I know you've been doing this since you were a child. So was there like a turning point or something that just pushed you in that direction? Um, I think that honestly, I, I can almost, I think I'm going to blame my mom, maybe. Um, <laughs> so um, when I was 12, um, we were living out in Vyland and moved back to St. Catharines. And my parents had just um, divorced and my my mom, my sister and I were in subsidized housing, which is a cooperative. And so they encouraged the people there to get involved in different committees. And so my mom got involved in a committee um, and 
took me with her. <laughs> so I kind of got involved um, at that time with, with the committees at that, um, that subsidized housing complex. And from that, I just was like, oh, I'm going to do that at my school. And um, because I'm, I'm a little bit of a, a brown noser, maybe, I don't know, teacher's pet. <laughs> <laughs> um I I kind of you know got doing some stuff for my teachers um it was a great way to get out of class mm-hmm. um and so when I was at elementary school in grade seven and eight I ended up getting really involved um just kind of naturally I don't even know how it happened um but you know I was managing the cross-country team so making sure everybody's where they need to be for their meets and all of that stuff. I, of course, was not running cross country. I mean, who are we kidding? But I was the administration of it. <laughs> um, I also helped. Um, we had uh, um, a special needs uh, child in in the fourth grade. So I helped with her um, at recess and at lunchtime. And then I also helped. Um, we had some um, some re- like a reading mentorship program. Um, so I helped um, a couple of the kids through that. Um, we got together during the school day and and kind of went through reading, um, and and then all sorts of other multiple things. Any assembly that was happening, somehow I was on that committee. I don't even know how. Um, so it just kind of naturally was like, oh, Jen's like the teachers get to know, and it's like, oh, Jen's responsible. Because I also was an honor student on top of missing class. So I was able, they were confident I was able to juggle everything. It wouldn't affect my schoolwork. And uh, yeah, and then come high school, I hardly did anything in high school. Sadly, it was all in other organizations outside of school. Um, It just kind of, that's the way it happened. I was with the school paper in high school and that was it. But, but yeah, I just kind of, I, I kind of fell into it and I've never thought about not, I don't think I could imagine my life without volunteering somewhere in some way. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's interesting. I was very weight dissimilar. I was the brown noser in school too. So I was like anything that would get me out of class, even though I was usually ahead in my class work, I was just like, I'll do it. Get me out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a sitter. I don't like sitting. I want to do something. So I totally agree and get it. Yeah. And I hope some kid watches this and understands that being a brown noser is sometimes a smart thing to do because look where you can end up, (laughs) right? Exactly. And then you get to miss class. Like like I said, I'm not artistic, but I got an 86% in my art class in grade eight. I hardly, I maybe attended five classes. So there you go. (laughs) but they gave me a good grade because I was doing other things right so you don't have to do the work (laughs) exactly don't go to school (laughs) I'm kidding (laughs) don't go to school (laughs) (laughs) that is such a wrong message for me to send go to school kids go to school at least through high school and then find your passion find your path beyond there it does not need to be university or college but you know educate yourself in whatever way that looks like for you exactly and there's an educational piece to be found in all the community work that you do too talk there certainly is it's huge i never thought i would know this much about not-for-profit and charitable tax law and you do (laughs) (laughs) that's crazy so we're almost up at our time today. Um, is there any last words or anything you'd like to share before we go? 
No, I think I've already drilled into people the the need for them to give and be generous, whether it's with their time or with their um, their finances, if that's how they're able to to give. And and I guess really, you know, get your kids involved in in charity, in volunteering at an early age, right? So even if it's like, oh, we're going to as a family put together a box for community care and let's go shop together as a family to create a box for community care because it gives the kids an opportunity a to realize that oh you know we're privileged we're able to do this and we're giving back to people who aren't able to but also you know having the kids participate you're buying groceries for kids so let that kid of yours decide oh yeah I like fruit roll-ups and someone else likes fruit roll-ups because you know, that like Betty Lou Suter, who's the, the CEO of Community Care, she says, you know, what's on your table and in your pantry needs to be on everybody's table and pantry, right? So it isn't just going and putting peanut butter in a box and <laughs> shipping it off to Community Care, although peanut butter is always needed. <laughs> right. You know, it's everything. It's, you know, I eat gluten-free, so I always buy gluten-free and put it in my box for Community Care because... I'm not the only gluten tolerant person in the world. Oh, definitely not. I hear you. Yeah. So I would say, you know, get get kids involved young and get them into the spirit of giving. And I know, especially now during COVID, it's needed and just to boost spirits. Um, my wife and I decided actually with Freya, our daughter, that every year she's not going to be getting a ton of gifts from us. A, we can't afford it ourselves, but B, she's going to pick up gifts to give to other kids that are in need, whether it's community cares or sick kids, whatever it is, we want to give that way. And it's not something that's going to break our bank because where we regularly would be buying her something, I want her to get that kind of inner feeling that she's giving to somebody else instead of just, yay, look what I got. And if everybody, every family gave one thing, whether it was food, a gift or whatever, just think of how much that would help. So I hear yeah. you. I'm excited for yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. I always remember one story. Sorry, I know we're running out of time, but um, I had a, a client many years ago and again, they, they come from a, a middle class, very kind of ball off family. Um, and their daughter said, no, I want to have like every year her birthday is for a different charity. So she doesn't want gifts. She has everybody come. So one year it was um, everybody gave like dog and cat food and litter and stuff to the Humane Society. So that was what they asked everyone to bring. And sometimes it's for community care. And so they got into that habit with their kids, which I think is so special because really people don't need stuff all the time. So if, especially if it's the child that's saying, no, I want my birthday party to be focused on this charity. Yeah. That's special. And it teaches their classmates who are coming that, oh, there's more than just, you know, gifts for each other. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's a great idea. And I may drop that in my daughter's ear. <laughs> mm -hmm. <All> right. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for uh, enjoying um, just a quick chat with me. And if anybody wants to get in touch with Jen or any of the organizations that she's spoken about, in a couple of minutes, you'll see on the screen just all the information and give, give, give this Christmas season. Thanks, Jen. Thank you.